Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. All right, welcome everyone, you fantastic Fusion Foxes. Josh, your host here. We're back again. We're going to keep it a little casual this week as we are truly into the offseason. Super Bowl is over. We didn't quite hit the score total I thought we would in my prediction. And I can't even quite claim to have predicted that Tom Brady would win because I did kind of ride that fence a little bit. Um, However, there wasn't any bad weather necessarily, and they didn't need it as it turns out either. So Tom Brady, look, what are you going to say? What excuse are the haters going to make now? Get over it. He's the greatest. It's done. It's going to take Patrick Mahomes his entire career to even hope to come close to the success that Tom Brady has had. And we can call him, you know, the greatest passer all we like and so on, but it's going to be pretty hard to beat Tom Brady's resume. You told someone, like if you told someone what Tom Brady has done, like if you wrote a movie or something, people would be like, no, that's that's too far. That's silly. That's not realistic. That's not believable. You know, we want the audience to actually take us serious or the reader, you know, how whatever the story format is, the people, consumers, wouldn't believe it. But it's real. This stranger than fiction. It's Tom Brady. Seven Super Bowls. Um, just observations for fantasy, I guess, to take out of the Super Bowl. Um, a couple things would be that it seemed to me like the Chiefs really needed a third weapon. And Sammy Watkins clearly wasn't it. They did kind of get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire involved. Obviously, they were uh, severely hampered by the offensive line's limitations, right? And so that would probably, not probably, it did hurt Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as well. But more than that, even in the passing game, right, you should be able to generate some plays with some short passes, something, guys that can get open in the slot. I don't know what it is or how this offense didn't have something for that, especially knowing your your offensive line was going to be depleted. I just don't understand how they didn't have quick outlet pass plays ready to go already. But the other thing is, who's going to do it? Sammy Watkins? He's he's not getting open in two seconds. Um, I know that Tyreek Hill can, but you know that they were going to be all over him. And especially at the line, they're going to be trying to slow him down. And, and that is what Tampa Bay was trying to do. They were all over, you know, David was all over Kelsey did a really good job of not holding him. Uh, It seemed like every time Kelsey did get open for a pass, he was getting tackled immediately or that he, the ball was being contested right at the moment that it was reaching him. There wasn't any early hits or anything like that. So the defense really did a good job, but it just seemed like they needed another weapon. And you got to, you got to wonder, you know, 
they took Clyde Edwards Hilaire with a 32nd overall pick. They could have had someone like T. Higgins with the 33rd pick. He was the next one, first pick in the second round. Imagine someone like T. Higgins, a bigger body, someone who can... And maybe he's not the right one. Maybe it's one of these other wide receivers that have done well, like an Ayuk or something like that. What if they drafted one of them? What if they took an offensive lineman? I'm not sure there were any good ones worth the 32nd overall pick at the time. The point stands, a running back did the least to help them in the Super Bowl. They needed something else. They needed more help on defense. They needed another receiving threat, right? Or they needed something on the offensive line. I don't know. Maybe another tight end who could block that they could bring in, go two tight ends, help, you know, chip. I I don't know. Just help out those tackles, anything. But it didn't seem like they made those adjustments, didn't have those plays ready, and that's what happened. They got they suffered the same fate that Tom Brady suffered in 2008 for the 2007 season Super Bowl. Of course, that was Tom Brady's undefeated regular season. And then they lose to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Very painful memory for me as a Patriots fan. But it was a little reminiscent of that. And I had to I just kept thinking to myself that Brady has got to be sitting on the other sideline across the field watching Mahomes just get wrecked over and over again, thinking to himself, yeah, it's not so easy, is it, to come into this game with everyone expecting you to be the winner with this fantastic offense, but it's just not that easy when you're getting harassed right up the middle every other play. It's just not that easy. On the other side, the Buccaneers. Look, I know Brady got Super Bowl MVP. He played a very good, a very clean game. I don't remember. There might have been one pass that it was like, okay, that got away from him. But he didn't have nearly as many, obviously, bad plays as he just had against the Packers, actually. He he got away with some with the Packers, high balls, and so on. Of course, he had the interceptions in that game. I have made the argument that at least two of those interceptions were on those really deep. I mean, they were essentially punts. They were 40, 50 yard punts um, that had an upside of getting received, uh, right? Getting caught. But in whenever those happened, they were a third down and they were just on the other side of the midfield. And so it seems to me like that was kind of one of those times when Brady, uh, just the Wiley veteran, kind of knew the time, the situation, what he could get away with, and it was a calculated risk. And yeah, they were intercepted, but their defense was slowing down Aaron Rodgers. Now, come around now, Super Bowl, I didn't see those plays at all. Brady was in control. He was pretty accurate. He was on time. He was hitting those guys on the slants and so on. And when it mattered, in in the end zone, right, Antonio Brown, that was a great touchdown in tight you know tight quarters great touchdown throw he really should have had four touchdowns it went right through i think it was a um, d lineman who uh, came in as eligible right right through his hands it should have been a fourth then ronald jones failed to convert on 
the right side Leonard Fournette would have. That's besides the point. Uh, it's really interesting. One th- observation I made was that the two players who caught touchdowns, Gronk and Antonio Brown, a year ago at this time, neither one of those players was sure thing to be even playing in 2021. If anything, if you took a poll, most people thought they were out of the league and done for good because Antonio Brown had been acting crazy and Gronk was retired, literally was retired. Uh, This isn't a J.J. Zach Reason joke. He literally was retired. And I think a little over, actually it was in December of 2019. Actually, it was before the final episode nine of Star Wars came out. And I did an episode, I had some fun with it where I was talking about the the movie and Star Wars, but I was actually talking about football and drawing comparisons. And my comparison for Emperor Palpatine, Darth Sidious, you know, the Emperor, and how he came back to life unexpectedly. And I said, look, there's some guys in the offseason that you need to be getting here in the 2020, uh, before the 2020 season. And it was Gronk and Antonio Brown. And I'm not saying that if you did that, they helped you during the fantasy season necessarily. I mean, Gronk, if you got him for free in a dynasty league, obviously would have helped you at some point, just being a tight end, right? But um, really, it just was interesting to see that they both actually came through, at least in the playoffs. It didn't necessarily help your fantasy team, but I thought it was really interesting As far as what's going to happen with those guys, I don't know. We talked a little bit about them when we did our free agency prep. I think Antonio Brown will be back. I think Gronk will be back. I really, I think all of those guys are going to be back. They're going to be, do what they need to, to bring the gang back for another year. Try to repeat. They're going to have a tough time of it. There's going to be financial obstacles but I think it is quite possible Fournette with a lesser deal. Fournette's the most likely to not stick around, of course. But Gronk could easily take kind of a sweetheart deal. Antonio Brown, I'm, he, he obviously wants to be where he is, and I'm not sure how many other teams want him. The wild card, of course, is Chris Godwin, but I, again, think they're going to do what it takes to bring him back. You should still be trying to trade for Tyler Johnson, who didn't do much in the Super Bowl, but he was uh, an integral part of a few big plays. Of course, the the really big play that ended up getting the holding call against the Packers that continued the drive to win the game. And Tyler Johnson is just a, he's just a solid player, and I think he has gained a lot of trust uh, from Tom Brady, which is huge. He, of course has obstacles in front of him and how can you blame him mike evans chris godwin and antonio brown if any one of them either antonio brown or chris godwin moves on he's immediately going to become i believe a starter so if you can get him cheap and i have him in a lot of leagues and i know a lot of you are thinking the same thing because a lot of you keep offering me these trades with like a whole bunch of random players and you try to slip tyler johnson in there um, as just kind of one of these pieces as part of a bigger deal. No, I'm not buying it. You're not tricking me. I like Tyler Johnson. That's why I drafted him, and I think he's really good, and I can wait. 
at least as one more season. Particularly at the price I bought him, I can wait in these deep dynasty leagues. Oh man, that's why you get these guys late. Because it doesn't, you can hang on to him. I bought John O. Smith in like the third or fourth round in a rookie league. What was it, three years ago? He'd just been sitting there for a couple years hardly doing anything, right? It's fine because you got him late. It's the guys you get early that you need to turn around on and you need to see something from them quick. And there was a number of players like that we didn't see things quick from this year. And it's a lesson I'm trying to learn. Nikhil Harry, of course, didn't a couple of years ago and then didn't again this year. And so that doesn't bode well for guys like Henry Vuggs. It doesn't bode well for Brian Edwards either. And so that's kind of what we want to keep an eye on. I want players that flash early. Jalen Rieger is another one, kind of questionable, uh, especially with the quarterback situation in Philly. So we're going to go into that. Yes, we're meandering. We're all over the place. If you haven't noticed, we're done talking about the Super Bowl. I already went and talked about rookie quarterbacks, uh, wide receivers for a second there now. Now we're going to talk about the quarterbacks because we had a trade, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff. Now, what did I say about Matthew Stafford? I said, don't trade him until he moves his value will increase after he moves. However, I don't think his actual fantasy point value season long is going to increase from what it was in Detroit. And I know that this is a controversial opinion. People have many times immediately been like, well, look, they have the coach there. They have Woods and Cup. And, you know, they had just a much better team. I'm not sure that is true. You're, you're, are you really saying that Cup and Woods are better than Marvin Jones, Hawkinson, and Galladay? Now, I know this past year was bad with Galladay out and so on, but I'm looking back over the last three years of what he's done with those kind of guys, and I'm sorry, he's not going to be on a team that's as bad and he's not going to be getting this junk time, come back, try and win it, throws to Galladay deep and everything. Now, that said, of the Rams receivers, and I really I, I really don't want to say this live recorded on a podcast because I have Cup in a number of places, but I don't actually think this is good for Cup. It's Robert Woods who is going to benefit the most from this. And I was almost, I was this close to being out on Woods because he's kind of disappointed. He's getting a little older, but guess what? He's not that old. I'm pretty sure he's right around 28. When I looked at it, that surprised me. I was thinking he had to be like 30 or something. No, nope, he's not. And I think this could be a boon for Robert Woods. I'm not expecting any kind of change for the tight ends. I know Stafford seemed to always like throwing touchdowns to his tight end. I, I suppose that could continue for Higby, but it's a hard thing to bet on. I don't think Stafford and Cup go together quite, quite as well. Stafford has always thrown to guys deep and who are covered, but putting the ball where they can go after and get it. That's, of course, what Calvin Johnson did, and that's one thing that Galladay was good at, and that's one thing that actually Quintus Cephas 
was good at in his scouting reports, which was an interesting it was an interesting thing to note that they they drafted him because even though he was a little bit slower, he had a exceptionally good uh, catch rate even against coverage. Uh, even with a defender in his face, he was converting a lot of those passes in college. And so it was interesting to note. I, I don't see that kind of player on the Rams at all. I, I don't see that player at all. And so that'll be an interesting thing. Um, what How's that going to affect Stafford? Long story short to late. I don't see 2021, 2021. I don't know. How are we supposed to say it? Whatever. 2021, I don't see it being any better, at least as far as possibility, than Stafford's had over the last couple of years. Now, he might play a full solid season and the points will be better than he's had the last couple seasons, but that's because he hasn't been healthy and had his full complement of receivers at all times and so on. I'm just saying per a game kind of thing, I don't think Stafford's going to be any better, at least for at least for one year. If we want to say they draft somebody or something and he goes into 2021 um, acclimated and now he's a veteran with the team and he's only going to be like 35 or something then, fine, fine, great. All in for Stafford 2022 after he's shown that he can be healthy again, right? That's great. I'm just saying for this next year, I don't think he's that much better. So as I said in the you know, free agency prep show for quarterbacks. Now's the time to sell because people are all excited about him, even though, like I'm saying, nothing's really changed. Not really. Now, on the other hand, some people have been really hard on Jared Goff in this. Some people are pointing out that people have been really hard on Goff in this and continue to act like he's actually a pretty good quarterback. My response is, no, he never has been. You know the meme, the guy, the astronaut with the gun to the back of his head, right? That's me standing behind you saying, he's never been that good. He's competent. He is. He has these flashes of games where he's making these really good passes. But overall, he's not that good. McVay made him in those couple years. But the magic has faded. The league caught on, especially with the whole, you know, with the way that the the microphone shuts off when the, the play clock reaches 15 seconds. Once the league figured that out, like it dropped their efficiency a lot. Um, and then it's just gotten worse from there. I do think as far as Detroit goes and Goff, I think he'll be the starter for at least another year, if not two. I think he will be largely disappointing for fantasy he will be a serviceable quarterback two for superflex as a whole don't really want him do i trust him to get the ball to hawkinson yes do i trust him to move the offense enough to keep swift involved and and to pass the ball to swift yes i i do think he can do that that's actually if there's anything here that's a positive that's better than what it was with Stafford. It's Swift getting involved in the passing game. That's actually a really good thing. I know I, I know Stafford did involve 
running backs in the passing game at times, but they always seem to be like the scat back, the uh, the Oritics and stuff like that, right? They weren't a three-down all-purpose back who might some on some plays slip out to the side and get the dump off. You didn't see that a ton out of Matthew Stafford because, well, quite honestly, because he's a good quarterback and he's looking downfield. To be completely honest, that's kind of the thing. Now, maybe we use that against Tom Brady. Something to think about. But I think with Tom Brady and dumping off to White, it's a little bit more of a take-what-you-can-get kind of thing. But we have seen that Brady was able to throw it downfield, even though people don't associate that with Brady. The stats are there to back it up. In case you wanted to try and throw that in my face. No, not having it. He's still the GOAT. But back to Goff, he can throw it. I don't know about bombs, but he can throw it deep. Yeah, he had some good deep receptions to uh, Cup and, and Woods. But I don't think that he's as good. And we have seen him dump off to Gurley a lot for a couple seasons there, right? So it is in his repertoire at least, right? So that's it for Detroit and... LA. I think it was a kind of a win-win for both as far as the contract and the picks and just moving on, giving Stafford a chance. They have a good defense. The offense, the offensive line there, just to you know, briefly touch on this topic. Stop trying to predict how good or bad offensive lines are. Remember how Cam Akers was going to be terrible because their offensive line was terrible, and then people countered with well he's used to terrible offensive lines because of what he had in college and and so on and so forth and it was so irritating and then we get to the end of the season and suddenly pff is rated the rams offensive line is one of the best it's so irritating guys it fluctuates so much stop trying to predict you can look at the talent available and you can try to predict what's possible for them but don't be making conclusions on other players based on the offensive line so i'm not going to make any conclusions or changes to how i feel about stafford or cam Akers, just because the offensive line because cam Akers, i guess we're not done with rams cam Akers is really good i told you i had to do it had to do it all right guys uh I am going to be making a video probably right after I record this. So keep an eye out for it where I talk about uh, this tool that I've created. It's the FF Format Beater. It is made to help you visualize and get a, a handle on the specifics of your league's scoring, especially if it's different, if you've got tight end premiums, half PPR, whatever. If you've got first downs mixed in there, right? It's designed to give you a good grasp of how that actually changes the landscape of the value of each position. And, um, you know, the, the quarterback one versus the quarterback 12 and so on. So I, it's something that you're going to want to see visually. So I'm going to talk about it briefly here, but just so you can point you to it in the video 
And of course, it's going to be on the website, a link to it, and on my Twitter at FusionFFB. So go get it. All you have to do is when you get it, it comes up in your Google uh, Sheets. Just go up to File and then down to Make a Copy. You're going to want to make your own copy, rename it something, you know, your name, format beater, whatever. And you can edit that. And you can go into the scoring tab on the sheet. And there's a couple blank spots for custom. And you can maybe copy and paste uh, some of the other ones. Of course, we have PPR there, half non-PPR. Uh, Fusion Flex, Scott Fishpole's in there. There's an unusual kind of quarterback scoring from uh, the Triple S Showdown charity tournament. I had it in there from last year, and I left it in there just as an example. You can fill out those details, okay? Then go back over to the format beater, and there's a little drop-down right there. And you can just tell it which scoring you want to see. Click on it. Boom, it does the math, and you get to see how each position played out. Now, what I did was it's a four-year average. It now includes 2020. Now, you wonder, Josh, if you remember, it was a three-year average. Why is it a four-year average now? Well, that's what we're going to talk about next. The reason I did a four-year average is because 2020 is a crazy freaking outlier season, and I really didn't want it to be a third of the average. Because it's ridiculous, and it would skew the results. So I went with a four-year average this year. It's completely arbitrary, completely my decision. There's no consistent process to it, except for me looking at, and we're going to go to this next, looking at all the stats for the 2020 season and concluding that this is stupid, crazy Outlier. It's not happening. Again, it's not. We could have continue to have better and better offensive seasons, but it's going to be more of a gradual change than we just leapt to uh, for, for a number of reasons. But just to finish up with a format beater, it's going to change things up so you can compare like with the average quarterback one scores versus the quarterback 10 or 12 or 20. But right alongside it is the same thing for the running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. You can see what the tight end one scores, 274 points versus the tight end 13, 131. And you can see the drop off in between. You can see there's a huge drop off. Just, I mean, it drops 100 points between tight end one and tight end six. Goes from 274 to 173. Just as an example. Different scoring, you'll be able to see how it plays out for the different positions. And maybe you'll be able to highlight, because we all know when you go into a new league, you look at the stats page and you go to players and you see how past players have actually done in this scoring. That's something you should always do. It's a recommendation that you'll hear if you go back and listen to my episode last season with the guys from the Dynasty Theory podcast talking about Dynasty Startups, completely evergreen episode. Go back and listen to it before you have your startup this year. And we talk about this idea of going back and looking to see how it changed, how the scoring settings changed players. And that's nice. 
because you'll be able to tie specific uh, players and their seasons and what you remember of them to an actual finish. But it's not going to give you a broader picture in one image, first of all. And it's also going to be tinged by the fact that you're only looking at one player and one story. This is an average. And so it's probably a little bit closer to what we're going to actually see in 2021. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be better than trying to look at just last year and think that what you're looking at for the 2020 results is what you're going to see in 2021. It's not going to be. All right. So that's what we're going to talk about now. We're going to talk about 2021. So I have a little database where I bring in all of the season stats. It's important once, especially when I get into making my projections and so on. But it's a, it's a neat little sheet that I then can kind of pivot table these things together and can look at it and see, all right, how does one season compare to the next? And again, if you go check out the video with the format beater, you're going to be able to see this thing. But essentially, it has all those four seasons. Actually, I have uh, five seasons in there. Uh, I just am not using them all for the average, like I talked about earlier. But in these five seasons, 2016 to 2020, I have a ridiculous... Uh, uh, there's just a ridiculous difference. I don't know how to say it. So I'm going to throw some numbers at you, but just focus on the big ones. In 2020, there were 12,692 points scored. Okay. 12,692. 2019 was 11,680. A full 112, sorry, 1,012 points more NFL points, not this isn't fantasy. This is touchdowns and field goals and safeties and extra points. These are NFL points, a thousand and twelve points more in 2020 than in 2019. Now, 19 was a little less than 2018, which was 11,952. 2017 was was the lowest of the five years, only 11,120. So there's obviously variation there. The average of the five years, this past season, 2020, was still a full thousand year, points over it. So lots of points. Uh, same, same thing, new highs in these fives, in yards, in number of plays, yards per play, of course. Fewer turnovers and fumbles lost, though, right? More first downs, more completions, attempt, pass attempts, yards, touchdowns. Uh, fewer interceptions. Rushing attempts were actually not super high, but they were still higher because there were more plays and a lot more yards per. Uh, and rushing first downs were way higher. We, yet we had less penalties, like I said. We actually, the, here's all of that. So that all, you can just see just everything better. Here's a really interesting thing. The number of drives um, was less. So as far as when a, a team got the ball, that's the beginning of a drive. Or possessions is sometimes we're referring to them too. Uh, in the NFL, they'll get talked about as possessions, right? 
there were fewer drives in 2020 than in these five seasons and the other four. Only 5,562. And the year before, 2019, was 5,639. Not a huge difference, but there's a difference by a few hundred off the average. So even though there were fewer drives going on, there were more plays per a drive, and the drives were more successful, more efficient and successful. Plays per a drive was higher, yards per drive, points per a drive, all higher. And then finally, I have a metric I do on my own that is fantasy points, uh, fantasy production score for a whole team's offense. I have a both receiving and rushing version of this that I break down, but the overall team score, it just kind of lets you see what teams had actually good productive offenses um, apart from their actual win or loss. And the score ranges anywhere from almost 200 to around 50-ish. The average, and if you wonder how that ended up, I just made the average, the middle, the median, to be roughly 100. Well, I think two-thirds of the league this season was above that medium, above that 100 score. And that's just not the case any other season. It's just ridiculous. So that is why I was not going with just a three-year average in the format beater because this is a crazy season. And to tie it back to something I'd been talking about myself earlier, about a month ago, I noticed that quarterback scoring was crazy. I had done all the rankings kind of evaluation of how we did um, with Toyota titles guys, and I was I was just looking through the points per game and the the rankings versus our projections and realizing that quarterbacks were just across the board, especially the top 12, were way higher than previous seasons. And I was trying to figure out, okay, how is this? What happened? So I looked to the wide receivers, and they didn't seem, at least the guys at the top, uh, and I say top, the wide receiver ones, twos, and threes, the top 36 weren't exceptionally higher than the average. And again, that's where that format beater comes in handy. I was able to compare the actual list of points and finishes um, versus the average. And it was very close to average. And yet, wide receivers as a whole scored the most ever in 2020. The reason is not because the guys at the top were scoring more. It's because the guys at the bottom were scoring more. The wide receiver fours and fives were scoring a lot more points than they have in past seasons. The the twos and threes a little bit, especially the threes as well. Uh, The ones were not all that much higher. And so that kind of made me wonder if... I just I don't understand how we can be pushing for a zero wide receiver going for wide uh, wide receivers early kind of approach. I don't see how we can really unless it's a tight end premium and it's maybe in a dynasty. I don't really see how I can advocate going early tight end. I know that's popular, 
Uh, I think maybe I'll have you know a friend on the show over and we'll talk about that and some other things in the future. But I just don't see how you can argue that going running back early, I'm not saying every pick, but a couple solid running backs in the first two, three, four rounds, I don't see how that can be construed as a bad thing just because a lot of the big name running backs had injuries. That's not going to happen every year. It's not going to always be the top guys getting injured and getting out. Um, The process was right. And the reason is because running back scoring was actually down in the format beater. You could see that for a format beater versus the actual 2020 finishes. They were a little bit low especially near the top. Kamara barely hit what a running back one typically gets, but it drops off pretty quick after him. A lot of that, I figure, is due to injury to top guys. And also, I think because the... Look, we I haven't talked about why it was, but I think the reason is pretty much understood. The reason these offenses were doing so crazy good in 2020 is because the defenses could never catch up. Especially with the lack of a preseason and so on, the defenses were just never able to catch up with players missing time and so on. All of those things are easier to overcome on the offense than on the defense. When you can't develop that cohesive team defense, and and you see that out of the Bucs in the playoffs, they looked way better than maybe they had during the season. It's because they were able to really come together as a cohesive unit and play defense as a team. And that's what it takes to beat a great offense. And defenses across the league just could not catch up. I also wonder that whole penalty issue. I wonder if the league was being a little bit more relaxed on penalties than we've seen of course in recent years we've seen them experimenting with the replays on pass interferences and so on and that kind of mucked things up a bit I'm not sure it ever really resulted in more of penalties called but either way it seems to me that the average is down for the league on that one Um, just to reiterate in 2019, with all of that stupidity, it was very high. 3,451 penalties called. In 2020, it was only 22,876. A full 600, almost fewer. Uh, the average was 3,3445 in 2018, 3,420 in 2017, 3,447 in 2016. So it was 3,400s for four years straight, and suddenly it drops like 500, 600 penalties in a season down to two 2,800s. That is very unusual and something to keep an eye on. It could definitely be part of why the, uh, I don't want to say it, could be part of why the offenses were able to be successful right? Nothing kills drives like a penalty. Well, if you're not getting a penalty, then more drives are successful. So it all kind of fits together with what I was describing before. 
uh, as far as the the league stats with the plays and the plays per touchdown and so on. Uh, They were allowed to be efficient. They weren't getting interrupted by penalties. And the defenses were just a step behind as far as their development as a team, as a unit. So until we got to the the, the end of the season and the playoffs, um, I think you finally started to see some of the defenses catch up, at, most of all in the Super Bowl. My takeaway from that is don't overestimate things in 2021 based on the 2020 scoring. So we'll take it a position at a time. Quarterbacks. Look, I am, especially if you're in a super flex dynasty, I'm all for the idea of in a startup not being too hesitant to draft quarterbacks. I'm hesitant to draft them in the first round still. Sorry. But you might have a good value in the second, definitely in the third and fourth. And there's good value even, look, I got Jimmy Garoppolo in like the 11th, uh, round in a mock the other day. I know it was just a mock, but it was pretty silly, guys. Pretty silly. Kirk Cousins in like the seventh or something. He's not that old. He's still throwing the ball to two really good wide receivers. There's a lot of good quarterbacks out there that you can get and you can build up that head count. The guys like John Hogue, these QBX, quarterback extreme proponents, they're focusing on you getting these quarterback head counts and then they may want you to get more of the elite top guys but I think if you can at least start building and get somebody who has the potential to be a top guy like go ahead and uh maybe take Jalen Hurts early roll that roll that dice I took that gamble on Herbert in a an auction dynasty startup last year he was super cheap but I needed more quarterback heads on my team. And he was one of the few still left. I had money because I came into the auction late and I got him. I think it was eight bucks out of a thousand or something, right? For Justin Herbert. What a steal. Take some risks like that. Some of them are going to land. Others aren't. So that's quarterbacks. Don't think of it like... um. Think of it like a six-point touchdown league where they're all benefiting from the extra two points per passing touchdown. It doesn't actually change anything. They're scoring more, yes, but compared to each other, there's not much of a difference. So continue to focus on getting lots of them, quality ones. Don't be afraid of old ones. That's the other thing I want to say. We're seeing... The age window for quarterbacks in the NFL is pushing back. Don't be afraid to go after the Cousins, the Staffords, okay? Don't be, even the Rodgers, okay? I don't play Dynasty in two, three-year windows, more like 18 months, okay? You do want to consider what their their value is going to be the following offseason, and then that's about as far as I project out is the following offseason. Because you do need to think about that as far as how at least the perceived value is going to change and if you want to move off of them and get high value now and so on. You do have to do that. But that's for quarterbacks. Don't be afraid of old ones, right? Get a lot of them. And don't think that you have to get a bunch of these top guys 
Um, as long as you get one good quarterback, one, and then a lot other options that with potential, I think you're good. You want numbers, not necessarily the quality. I'm not paying up a first for Mahomes. I'm sorry. I'm just not. All right, the next thing is running backs. So like I said, not afraid to go after running backs early because as we saw, even in this season, 2020, where they didn't score as many points as they should have, the guys at the top were still, compared to the rest of the the, the position, still scoring far more. So it's a position of scarcity. Scarcity is what makes them valuable. We're not saying you have to go after them because they score 400 points in the season. They could. They might. That's not, I mean, that's what Kamara hit. He broke that 400. But that's not why. It's because you can't replace the production of a top 20 running back in the 6th, 7th round. Not reliably. I'm sorry, you can't. Uh, if you do, you have to just scatter shot, you know, get as many of these possibilities as you can. But once you're past the fifth round, even your rookies are mostly gone. I mean, that's how it was last year with uh, with the Swifts and the Cam Akers even and the Dobbins. Fifth, sixth round turn, they're gone. They're gone. So in startups, I'm saying. So that you can't wait to take running backs and think that they're going to help you win at least that season. I mean, that could have worked. You could have waited until the fifth round to get a running back and had it been one of these rookies, uh, not the top tier, the next tier, but they wouldn't have helped you that year. They wouldn't have helped you in 2020. Don't be afraid to pay up for them. Now, in Dynasty, you do want to make sure they're a little bit younger guy. Don't go after the Aaron Jones super high Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, everyone knows that. Don't be afraid to go after like a Cam Akers, maybe earlier than other people are thinking. And that just gives you, I know I'm not thinking in two, three-year windows, but I am. Other people are, and their perceptions matter. That's all. Wide receivers. Continue to grab young, talented wide receivers. Build depth in the mid-rounds. Your sweet spot for wide receivers are going to be in that third, fourth, really, fourth round through the eighth, ninth round. And there's still going to be some nice nice guys that slip through the cracks after that. But um, like a Jameson Crowder or somebody like that can be all the way in the 12th round or something like that. But don't get too concerned with having to have a guy that you think is going to be the wide receiver one. I'm not paying up for Devontae Adams. However, I have seen Michael Thomas slip into the second and even third. Then that's a deal. That's perfect. That is taking the gift that's been given, that is accepting the value that falls to you and adapting and rolling with it. And if you took a running back in the early round, first or second, first and second, then you have no problem taking Michael Thomas in the third or even late second. You have no problem with it. Uh, if you hadn't taken a running back in the first round, now you're going to be really pressed. You're thinking, oh, shoot, I took a quarterback, and now I'm going to take a wide receiver in Michael Thomas because it's good value, but I still don't have my running back one. What am I going to do? That's why 
you don't wait to take running back one. All right, tight ends. You can go after them. Like I said, I don't want to spoil this discussion that I hope to have down the line, but I can understand wanting to have some stability and security at the position. That's not Kelsey. Okay? People are talking about... I don't understand why now we're having the discussion about him being this super high... No. He was super highly valuable two, three seasons already ago. It's too late now. Don't suddenly now decide to start drafting Kelsey in the second or end of the first or something in a dynasty startup. No, no, don't do that now. No, that's too late. Um, Kittle is the only one I would accept there. And then Waller is an interesting one because he was the, the obvious buy as far as a val- mix of a value, but could be a high-end guy last year. I wonder if his value is not going to be almost too high now this year. Uh, maybe a little bit of like a Mark Andrews effect. I, I'm not talking bad about Darren Waller. I just wonder if it's swung too far the other way. So if I had him in Dynasty League, so maybe maybe thinking about dangling him out there and see if somebody wants to go crazy, right? Uh, it's all about the late round uh, tight ends. Find some targets that you like for breakouts. Go after them. You know, these were the, look, Johnny Smith didn't work out last year, but these are the Tanyan broke out. Logan Thomas popped out, right? There's other guys. Hawkinson was on the more expensive end of that, but you were still able to get him into the ninth, 10th round, and he was worth it. Uh, people think it wasn't that great, but as far as tight ends goes, it was pretty solid week in and week out. So those are the kind of guys you want to target and have a list, make tiers, whatever you want to do, and just get a bunch of them at the end after you've filled in most of the other starting positions, right? That's how I interpret what I'm seeing here. Um, Like I said, in that FF format beater, you can see how the drop-off in tight ends goes. So... Like I said, if you have to get, you really want that stability, then then you better get an early guy. You got you got to get a top guy. Don't get a middle guy. Don't get an Engram, right? Don't get a Higby, although he's dropped all the way down and out of there. Beware the middle guys. Beware the middle guys. Either go big or go late round. Okay. All right. That ended up being longer than I thought it was going to be. That's all right. It's been a little while. A little bit of a casual one here, guys, meandering. Um, I'm sorry if you don't like that. On the other hand, I've heard specifically from some people saying that um, I hit on so many different things that were interesting that they they were interested in. And uh, maybe I just got lucky that one time. I don't know. But we're going to move on. Thanks for joining me, guys. In the coming weeks, I'm going to continue get guests on be a little bit more focused on the topic what we're what we're bringing to the table depending on the guest of course and digging into these rookies so forgive me if i'm a little 
erratic with the updates. Probably going to be something like, like this. I'm recording on a Friday night. Not so much Thursday nights used to be during the season because of Thursday night football. It was kind of my night. It doesn't have to be now because there's no Thursday night game. So why stay up wait late on a weekday when I don't have to, right? So I'm not going to. All right, so you can look for the pod uh, over the weekend or, you know, catch it on Monday because in the off season, there's not usually too much that's uh, time sensitive, except maybe when we get into free agency, actual signings, and of course, right after the draft, rookie draft. But other than that, it's the off season. Check out the episode, download, listen when you can, rate, review, all that good stuff. Appreciate you guys. Um, I really do. We have, what, this is going to be like third season doing this. Um, Coming and going. I see a lot of podcasts. I think because I'm just me. And the downside of that is sometimes, like I said, I can be irregular. But at the same time, I'm still here. I'm still doing it. Doing it because I want to do it for me. I'm learning a lot of new stuff. Uh, that's honestly, guys, that's why I started doing this because I wanted to get better at, at at speaking and learn more about media and streaming and podcasts. Now I'm getting into more of the video stuff. And these are just really vehicles of learning things that I enjoy doing. And so if you, I, I'm sharing this because I'm saying if if you have something that you're really into, use it as a way to better yourself. So I'm trying to learn skills now that I'll be able to apply in all kinds of other ways and avenues, maybe even professionally, or at least some kinds of more productive way than just fantasy football. But point being, use what you're passionate about to drive you to learn new things. It's something I've always done. I've dove into new things head first and um, just kind of rolled around in the mud and start learning stuff, figuring things out. It's probably not as effective as going to an actual school. A whole lot cheaper, though. <laughs> and um, there's so many resources, especially nowadays, out that it's even easier. And so I encourage you guys, whatever it is that you're passionate about, you want to learn a new skill, find where the overlap is and go after it. All right. And... uh with that, I'll leave you. See you guys when I see you, probably, hopefully, next week. Check out the video that I'm going to do on the format beater, and I'll, you'll probably get to see some of those league stats in that video as well. If you didn't like hearing lots of numbers, you'll be able to see them there. Thanks, guys. See you next time.